Chapter Thirteen of Faulkner's Folly by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirteen, an alibi needed. Very discreetly, Bobsy conducted his interview with Eugene Courtney. The detective wanted to trap his man before he could realize any danger, so he called him on the morning after his talk with Steele. Courtney was not a business man he called himself a farmer but his farming was of the fancy variety and was done almost entirely by expert gardeners his place was not far from the folly and when bobsy called at about eleven o'clock he was received courteously enough by the man he desired to see it's this way mr courtney said bobsy after a few preliminaries in the interests of law and justice i want you to tell me a little more in detail the story you told at the inquest there are no further details than those i related mr roberts what have you learned that makes you think my testimony of sudden importance clearly this was not a man to be easily hoodwinked bobsy felt his way not of sudden importance but all testimony is important and sometimes by elaboration it becomes illuminative good word illuminative remarked courtney but i cannot help to shed light for you i fear just what do you want to know here was an opening bobsy accepted it as such at what time did you leave the stannard house that night i don't know really one doesn't note hours when not on business matters it must have been between eleven and half past that's as near as i can come to it why the last word was shot at him and bobsy almost jumped it is my duty to ask he said coolly at what time did you reach home i suppose you don't know that either i do not but i didn't come home at once yes i know you sat on a bench on the folly lawn were you in evening togs mr courtney i was had you on a hat eugene courtney started but he answered at once not a hat i wore a cap over there i often do when i go to a neighbor's and you had it on when you sat on the bench why confound it man i don't know i suppose i did no let me see i believe i was carrying it and laid it on the bench beside me and left it there courtney laughed a little self-consciously yes i did i came nearly home before i thought of it then i went back and gathered it in why again that direct snapped out question what was going on at the house when you went back how should i know after events proved that the tragedy in the studio was then being gone through with but i had no idea of that at the time i glanced at the house of course there was a light in the studio in fact lights over most of the house i found my cap and came on home why i'll answer your whys mr courtney because the police have reason to think your story is not entirely true because we think it was you yourself who turned off the studio light do i understand mr roberts you mean that i let us speak plainly that i killed eric stannard did you mr courtney i refuse to answer such an absurd question in the first place i was out on the lawn when the light went out so you say but who corroborates that i was also out there when the light flashed on again yes that may be true but your first statement is not you left mrs stannard in the billiard-room you went into the studio whether in the interim you had been out on the lawn or not doesn't matter 
you stabbed eric stannard you turned off the light and returning through the billiard-room you went back to that bench and awaited developments you must be insane oh no i'm not insane neither were you it was a clever dodge you didn't know the women would be implicated but when they were however you might regret that you couldn't confess your own guilt why couldn't i because bobsy looked squarely at him because you love mrs stannard stop don't you dare to speak her name you mischief-maker you absolute and unqualified stop yourself mr courtney these heroics harm your case they don't help it but it's false it isn't true i didn't do it i was yes i was on that bench all the time till i went home did you see anyone any servant or gardener perhaps who can vouch for your story no i can't remember that i did but man alive how could i get in and out of that room it has been proved it has been proved that you could have entered unseen and could have left unseen but how answer this question truthfully what was mrs stannard doing when you left her in the billiard-room she was sitting on one of the leather seats that are built to the wall was she looking at you as you left no she had buried her face in a pillow against which she leaned and why did she do this was she feeling ill no then why the act i cannot say you mean you will not was it because you had said something to her that caused her emotion i refuse to answer and you have no right to ask very well don't answer but you must admit that if her face was buried in the pillow she could not see if a man passed through the billiard-room to the studio but no one did how do you know because i should have seen him from the bench where i sat no you would not because you were the man you accuse me i do i deny it but i shall say no more to you have you a warrant for my arrest i have not then go and go quickly before i tell you what i think of you but bobsy roberts was no fool he said quietly i'd rather you would tell me what you think of me it may help me to get at the truth there are reasons why we are inquiring into your connection with this matter you will hear the reasons soon enough there is peculiar but direct evidence that you are the man who stabbed mr stannard evidence what do you mean just what i say but never mind that you have nothing else to tell me no proof to adduce that you were just where you claimed to have been when the studio was darkened no no proof because none is needed you can't have evidence it is impossible then that is all mr courtney you needn't tell me what you think of me your opinion doesn't interest me but perhaps after you hear the evidence i speak of you'll sing another tune oh i'm not going to tell you about it ask mrs stannard i asked you not to mention that lady's name good morning mr roberts good morning and bobsy went away filled with conviction of eugene courtney's guilt courtney went at once over to see joyce i've missed you so she said simply as she met him on the terrace why haven't you been here i thought better not darling i can't control myself sufficiently to hide my love for you and i feared it might bring embarrassment on you if i let it be seen by any one oh joyce it seems so long to wait must it be two years 
i can't live through it hush eugene it seems sacrilege even to speak of our love and poor eric dead so short a time be patient dear heart we are both young you couldn't love me or respect me if i failed in ordinary behaviour toward a husband's memory and eric was good to me good to you losing his head over every pretty woman he met joyce how could you ever marry him he made me don't you know how some women succumb to caveman wooing i don't understand it myself but his whirlwind love-making carried me off my feet and i had promised him before i knew it if i had been here at the time it would never have happened i think it would i was fascinated by his very vehemence now i know better i want only your gentle dear love that will comfort and content me as he never could you poor little darling i wish i could give it to you now mayn't i kiss you once just once joyce no eugene not yet some day when i can't be patient any longer when the hunger for your big sweet affection becomes too intense the craving too uncontrollable she turned away from him and looked off toward the glowing richness of the autumn foliage when the robins nest again she said with a little pathetic smile at the quotation but now dear sit down i've a lot to tell you i'm glad you came over i was going to send for you and then without further preamble joyce told him the whole story of orienta and her revelations courtney listened his eyes growing dark with anxiety as the story progressed who was the man he asked quietly as she finished why i don't know not a tramp of course but perhaps some blackmailer you know eric's life wasn't spotless listen joyce the man you say was dark and with a pointed beard he was in evening clothes and wore no hat he had reason to hate eric stannard do you know of any one who fulfils those conditions joyce looked at him and a cloud of fear came to her beautiful eyes don't eugene she cried putting up her white hand as if to ward off a blow don't i must joyce and you must listen when i left you did you keep your head down on that pillow or did you raise it tell me truly dearest i-i kept it down there i was crying a little after what-you know what we had been talking about i stayed that way a long time until you heard the sounds from the studio yes until that then someone could have passed you you wouldn't have heard a soft step no i probably shouldn't but eugene it wasn't you say it wasn't you it was not but i have to prove this joyce and it will be difficult oh does any one think it was you yes the police think so the police that robert's man oh why why did i ever have madame orienta come here but we will prove it was not you my eugene we will prove it yes joyce my darling we will for we must to whom have you told this story of sitting with your face bowed in the cushion to no one oh yes to the people in the house of course barry and beatrice and of course little natalie oh eugene i was so glad when the priestess's story seemed to clear natalie and me of all suspicion of guilt but if it has implicated you that is a thousand times worse no not worse 
a man can fight injustice better than a woman have you told roberts about the pillow no i don't think so but he'll find out that man digs into everything you invited him yourself to the seance yes i thought it wise i thought it would implicate some stranger and i wanted him to hear why did you think it would accuse a stranger look here joyce you didn't employ that woman to cook up a yarn did you mercy no and joyce opened her eyes full at him eugene what an idea of course i didn't why i believe in her as fully as i do in you i can't say more than that she is honest and earnest in what she tells whether she sees truly is another thing and one over which she has no control but all she says is in sincerity and truth it may be but she has surely woven a web around me that is if others share your belief in her now i'm going to work joyce to find my alibi what do you mean i'm going to scare up somebody who saw me on that bench and will swear to it swear falsely joyce whispered the words if need be but i hope to get an honest witness may i speak to your outdoor servants and the house staff too if necessary of course find the head gardener mason he'll round up the rest oh eugene you will find someone surely they are about the grounds every night and perhaps barry saw you he was out with the dogs i'll find someone dear don't worry courtenay went away and joyce went into the house she went to beatrice faulkner's room and found her there may i come in asked joyce at the door always any time why what is the matter dear beatrice you don't think eugene killed eric do you of course not what nonsense well they suspect him of it and he's going to make up an alibi or whatever you call it not make one up don't ever say that joyce you mean he's going to find proof of his own testimony yes it's all the same but oh beatrice if he did do it i can never marry him hush joyce you mustn't talk like that don't you want to save eugene of course i do if he's innocent then believe him innocent you wrong-minded woman to doubt the man who loves you at the first breath of suspicion then he is innocent beatrice is he look in your heart and answer that yourself i do look said joyce solemnly but i can't read the answer End of chapter 13